the Black Arts Hour. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blackshaw Arts Hour. I am Ellie and I am joined by my trusted co-host, Matt Boothman. I'm happy to hear that after many years of doing this show, <laughs> you've finally come to trust me. Well, it took a while, Matt, and uh, you had to sign a few NDAs, but we got there. We did. Uh, I'm glad I've managed to prove uh, my trustworthiness and I look forward to my next, quote, job. Yes, you do make it sound a lot like I'm making you kill people now. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't why we're about to make this next announcement. So, big announcement, everybody. Open up your ear holes real wide. Uh, We are going to be calling a halt to our fortnightly programming. No longer will you receive a magazine-style arts show in your earbox, because that's like an inbox, but it's for your ears, uh, every fortnight. We will be channeling all our energies and resources into making audio wonderfulness in the form of radio drama. Uh, and this has been a decision that's sort of been coming for a little while. Um, the, basically, the whole life of the Blackshaw Arts Hour so far has been sort of an experiment to try lots of different things, like the arts commentary, film reviews, Strat and Alex do art, like the sillier stuff, and then the the slightly more produced uh, fiction and audio dramas um, to see what is more fun for us and what mm-hmm. we think is like the better quality stuff. Yeah. And so this is a a transition away from the stuff that is a transition towards the, the all the stuff that we think is the best that yeah. we've done. Yeah, and we, we think our radio drama mm. is the best, to quote Tina Turner. So uh, you can expect more of things like Black Shuck, Great Expectations, uh, Audience of the Ghost Finder, uh, The Whistling Room. Yeah. The Wailing Well, (laughs) other W things. (laughs) So so a mix of sort of um, prose fictional readings and full-on full-cast audio dramas, uh, but the the common thread will be the production values. So even when it's a uh, a single piece of prose fiction like The Whistling Room, um, it'll be, you know, we'll have music, we'll have sound effects, uh, it'll be a, a nicely produced... Uh, piece mm-hmm. for your ears that's right and um also more opportunity to play with live recording which has been something i've particularly enjoyed yes of course the with, two we uh, didn't mention there were yes. miss mcskimming mystery and uh, frankie Fightwell. exactly um so you can look forward to some some fantastic things and if if you've got something lurking in your writing cupboard of dreams that you think would be perfect for us to take on uh, in a radio drama format be that live performance or a uh, cozy studio record then do feel free to send it in to us uh, all the details about how you can get in touch are on the internet and um the most important of those will be coming up in a little trailer we will play for you shortly so don't worry if you're feeling pretty sad because we do have uh, some warm and comfortable content for you now it is what you come to expect every time you hear our voices The Matt Boothman Film Review. So good, I put my trousers back on. What are you reviewing for us today, Matt Boothman? Uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about Venom and A Star is Born. Because they're very similar films. (laughs) 
two bad films that are bad in different ways. Hooray! <laughs> I love it when they're bad films. <laughs> so you've seen Venom, but not A Star Is Born. Correct. I have actually made the conscious decision not to go and see A Star Is Born on the basis that I really like Lady Gaga and I don't want to be made to hate her. Uh, yeah. Uh, either she, you won't be made to hate her, I don't think. Okay. She's not the hateable bit of it. That's good but, uh, to know. Which one do you want to talk about first? The um, one you've seen or the one you hate? Yeah, right. The one I ain't okay. is what I would like to see, please. Okay. I mean, star, listen to. A Star Is Born. Yes. Uh, Bradley Cooper wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune, quite literally. Oh, my uh, God. Acts, directs. Um, Sings. This is a remake of a remake of a remake of a remake of a remake. See, I had no idea that it was anything other than an original film. Nope. Um, this is a movie that has been remade uh, pretty much kind of every gen- every couple of decades in Hollywood. Uh, it's um, I'm struggling to remember now who it's starred is it, in the past. Is it about a real person? Like, no. It's, so it's not a biopic, it's no. it's just a story that they keep redoing. It's a timeless story of a man discovering a woman's talent and then trying to sponge off it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> My favourite story. <laughs> Bradley Cooper plays Jackson Maine, who is a... That's the most American name I've ever heard. Yes. It sounds like a place. Yeah. Jackson, Maine. Yeah, it does. Uh, who is a, a washed up rock star who is losing his hearing and struggling with uh, addiction to booze and pills. Mm, poor uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, such man pain. Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, one night, uh, while in search of some more booze, uh, stumbles into a bar where Lady Gaga is singing. Yeah. Um, she is a... Uh, waitress whose dad has always told her that she has talent and could be a singer and could be the best but some producers told her that her nose was too big sure so you know which happens in the music biz yeah um we can't work we can work with your voice but we can't work with your image yeah um and uh jackson main decides to become obsessed and stalk her basically but he's saving her he's discovering Uh, her yeah he so Bradley Cooper's character is is a manipulative creep in this. Awesome. Um, who is is constantly kind of trying to take Lady Gaga's character Ali her um, like decisions out of her hands. Mm. So he invites her to a show that he's playing, um, and she says no, I can't. I have work. And he sends her driver to loiter around outside her house until she says yes. The driver follows her to work. Until she, like, has a moment where she's like, actually, well, yes, I will go. Right. Uh, she's side stage at the gig and he announces to a stadium full of people, uh, this friend I've just made is going to come up and sing with me. Yeah, I've without, seen that in the trailer. Yeah, without having asked, mm. without having run anything by her first. And the, the narrative is trying to be like, oh, she would never have taken these steps without the push. Mm. But it's still, like, it's manipulative behaviour. Yeah. Um, and, it's a red flag. Yeah, and this extends into when they begin romancing each other as well. Um, so he, uh, when he proposes to her, it's very much so that... Because he sees her kind of accelerating out of his orbit mm-hmm. and kind of wants to keep her where he, where he is mm-hmm. and keep her pinned to him. Um, so... It's kind of uncomfortable in that way. And Bradley Cooper's... He, he, he has this infuriating smile throughout the entire thing. He's got this kind of one facial expression, which looks like maybe it's intended to be charming, but just seems like he just isn't taking anything seriously. Right. Um, it's very long, 
Mm. Uh, and that's most of what I have to say about it. <laughs> awesome, cool. So I'm sticking with my decision then to not bother. I have really enjoyed listening to the soundtrack. Yeah, Lady Gaga's very good in it. She's always great. Um, and the musical numbers are all good. Actually, the musical numbers that he plays in are good as well. Mm. Like, And it's kind of interesting to see the, the, diff, the contrasting styles, um, even when that, that becomes a point of conflict where he is like... As her style changes, there is definitely the suggestion that uh, she is becoming less authentic as she moves away from the style that he favours. Right. And, you know, at least it is kind of addressed head on that the movie doesn't forgive him for, like... Like trying to change her. Yeah, or judging her against that standard and, and kind of thinking less of her, even though she's doing what she wants to do. Right based on the fact that he, she's not doing what he wants her to do. Yeah. Um, but it's still... I just felt for a lot of it, like, why am I watching this man? Right. Yes, bad man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good, 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 oh, good, good. Also, he, he has that, um, that like... Uh, have you ever have you seen the Coen Brothers remake of True Grit with Jeff Bridges? I've seen bits of it. Okay. He has that... Uh, Bradley Cooper and Jeff Bridges both have the kind of gravelly monotone Mm -hmm. drawl where you almost can't understand them without subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Which they think is, like, awesome acting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, I'm disappearing into the part. Yeah. I can't hear you. Speak up. (laughs) Diction's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so that, you know, A Star is Born was bad in a way that made me cross. Yeah, it sounds very problematic. Yeah. Whereas Venom is bad in a way that I kind of <laughs> forgave it for and, and uh, could yeah. laugh at. I reveled in the badness. <laughs> and I feel like they kind of maybe knew it was bad. So what I've heard from backstage of Venom, which is the story I love of... that you sound like you're just busy mates with Tom Hardy <laughs> while Tom said to me. Yeah, so Tom Hardy <laughs> is this uh, uh, journalist who... Um, in the comics that this is based on is like a newspaper journal, but because this is the 21st century, he's like a, a Vice style kind of video blogger type thing. Vi- yeah, video yeah. blogger, but a, a newspaper syndicates his video. Yeah, blog. it's like mainstream video blogging. Yeah, um, the Brock Report, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, through his uh, corporate investigations stumbles on a cor- an evil corporation run by Riz Ahmed doing uh, experiments with some goo they brought back from space. Mm-hmm. Space goo. Yeah, and he bonds with the goo and uh, it starts talking to him and it gives him goo powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it covers him in goo and makes mm-hmm. him into a goo monster. Yes, <laughs> which looks a lot like he's wearing a gimp suit. <laughs> but like a, a really jacked gimp suit. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean super, he's got, super jacked. He's got that bodybuilder triangle build. He does, he does. <laughs> Little legs, <laughs> really big shoulders. So what, what I've heard from, back, from, from sort of uh, reading uh, backstage gossip stuff is that Tom Hardy was very much playing it for laughs and as a romance yeah. between himself and the goo monster Venom. Yes. Um, and that maybe the director and editor and the people putting the film together didn't necessarily see eye to eye Oh on no, were they like, you're not taking it seriously, Tom? Maybe. <laughs> I think that like there's a level on which people must have thought oh you could uh, this is a dark duality mo- movie and it's about a man struggling with his with his dark with his Im- demons. dark impulses mm. and trying to stay human while he's taken over by an alien yeah um and you know the it's a, such a treat for an actor to get to play himself and the alien and mm. have conversations about and no it's it's about a man who 
gets covered in goo and fights crime. It looks like he's having the best time ever making yeah. that film. And I just love watching films where they clearly had the time of their lives. Yeah. And, oh, and another weird vocal performance. But we kind of expect that from Tom Hardy. Yeah, I mean, let me refer you to Bane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's bad and silly and um, doesn't hang together because... I think a lot of the people involved are, try- are aiming for different things. They're pulling so in different directions. There were there were suggestions that they were going to go for like a hard R rating, eighteen mm. rating, and make it very violent. Mm. And I mean, to be fair, he does bite people's heads off. Yeah, but it's it's. I, I would say the for me the first like twenty minutes of the film are actually quite scary. Like, mm-hmm. It's quite horror driven. Um, it, and that's really before Tom Hardy meets and becomes one with the space goo. Yeah. But once that happens, it becomes much more like cartoon violence. Slapstick. Slapstick. And then I was like, I am on board. Because <laughs> yeah. I do like a horror, but I'm not a big fan of sci-fi horror. And yeah. that is what the first 20 minutes felt like. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, there's, there is a version of this film in an alternate universe that is that leans really, really hard on the alien body horror mm. stuff. Um but I, th- I think I'm glad that they went a bit more cartoony with it. It's way more watchable. It's, yeah, and it is a fundamentally silly premise, yes. so it's okay yeah. to lean into that. And I, I, I felt like it, was, it made the characters much more compelling, and it's made me want to watch the next, mm-hmm. like the next instalment. I think if it had been a sort of hard hitting, we've really taken things to <laughs> serious levels. I'd have been like, well, I admire the film, but I didn't super enjoy watching it, and I don't really want to watch the follow up. Yeah. So I was I was pleased. Yeah, I I want what I wanted more of was um, the the two of them reconciling and, and like working out the part the way the partnership yeah. was going to work. Yeah, because I feel like that was very glossed over. It almost but, felt like they filmed the scenes and just didn't put them in. Yeah, because there's there's a lot near the uh, sort of as he is realizing what's happening to him, uh, and it starts talking to him. Mm. Um, where it kind of it sets up the fundamental difference between them that he doesn't want to kill and bite, yeah. bite people's heads off. Yeah. And Venom is like, I don't see why we can't. Yeah. Uh, these guys are in our way. Let's mm-hmm, eat them. Mm-hmm. Eat them and eat them up entirely. All yes. of their organs. And there is a there's a moment when they're kind of running toward running through the woods to the towards the final boss battle where they have like a sort of a, almost like a voiceover conversation where it's like uh, we're buds now. Because we're mm-hmm. kind, of, we've realised we're kind of the same, but yeah. we don't actually see any of the um, them realising that they they have stuff in common. Yeah, which I could have I could have stand stood to see yes. more of that and less of the incredibly long motorbike chase. Scene. So long, wasn't <laughs> really it? Really long. And, and they kept is... doing, they kept doing, and now it's finished. No, it's not. <laughs> and now it's finished. No, it's not. And I was like, guys, and do one fair, fake they're, finish. They're, they're throwing all of the slapstick violence stuff into that yeah. sequence. Yeah. Um, and it's good that they have all of that. Because, there were, again, there were worries from some of the early trailers that we weren't ever even going to see Venom. Mm. That it was all going to be like building. And we'd get it in like a post-credit sequence. He'd actually get the head with the long tongue and the teeth. And... Um, uh, and it would otherwise be one of those things where it's like, oh, it's scarier if you don't see the monster. Yeah. Thankfully, it doesn't do that. You get loads of actual venom. Yes. But, um, uh, but yeah, some of those sequences are too long and I could have done with more of the buddy dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's you a solid so, B movie. Yeah. And did you enjoyed watching it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I, I enjoyed... There were parts of it that I, where I was enjoying myself and other parts of my, where I was going, this is silly and this is dragging. Right. So it's not overall good in any way, but <laughs> in it's, any way. it's bad in ways that I 
can get behind and forgive. Yeah. Great. That's a good summing up. I would agree. Cool. Okay, so we are going to move on now uh, to another old favourite. We've had this in the bank for a while. Uh, This uh, we filmed, filmed, we recorded, (laughs) you didn't want to see it. Uh, We recorded this back in the summer. Um, It is Strat and Alex doing art and they're getting their hands on some papier-mâché. And oh my God, it was a mess in so many ways. (laughs) Brace yourselves. Strad and Alex do art. Yes, art. Oh, oh, I mean, it looks it looks lovely, mate. Right, it's time for another little session that we like to call Strad and Alex do art. How prepared are you for arting today? I'm always prepared for arting. I don't know about you, Strat. <laughs> I am just always arting about. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got a brush. That's prepared. That's, yeah. Two brushes, I mean. We have two brushes. They are much larger than the brushes we usually use. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to be used for the for the next task. Yeah. Check social media for our brush picks. Um, <laughs> Hashtag brush picks. <laughs> <laughs> the, the noble art of... Papier-mâché. <laughs> the yeah. highest form of art. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Save this one till, you know, we've had a good lot of practice for the lower form. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the big one. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it means literally chewed paper. Really? I did yeah. not think we'd be doing that today. Yeah. No. Yes, yeah, so I think we're doing it the traditional way, yeah. which yeah. is to, <laughs> just to chew it, it up and spit it out. Is that what it used to be? No, I think it just is a description of the term oh. of like just because the paper looks all mashed up and chewed, doesn't uh, it? Okay. I thought maybe because once upon a time they didn't have PVA glue, so they just had to use their spittle, flour, and spittle. Well, I, I think firstly they probably would have just used flour and water if. Mm-hmm. But I mean, anyway, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, <laughs> source of all knowledge. Um, it, it, it's basically paper pieces or pulp, mm-hmm. sometimes reinforced with textiles, bound with an adhesive such as glue, starch, or wallpaper paste. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe that in the past maybe they did use like starch or something. If yeah. glue was more expensive, etc. Um, and it was it's it's actually got a very rich history, guys. Um, rich, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to add to that history. So, uh, in ancient Egypt, coffins and death masks were often used uh, from layers of uh, papyrus or linen covered with plaster, which is basically mm. papier mache. Oh. You look really shocked by that information, Alex. I'm, I'm excited. See, this is b- sort of bordering more onto the plaster of Paris stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess, um, in a way, we are preparing our children uh, for, you know, more involved sculpture by getting them to do papier mache, right? Yeah. Is, is that yeah. the point? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah that's. We're preparing them for our death shrouds? No, 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 I wasn't going there, but okay. okay. Right, okay. <laughs> they start with death shrouds, and then eventually it's David. Oh, right, okay. That's the trajectory okay. take. Do they start with, like, balloon animal, and then work up to, like, death face, and then and then David? No, they start with death face. Oh, okay. Always start with death face. <laughs> Always start with death face. If your child's produced anything other than death face, it, they're not doing it right. No. It's, it's just a bit of a, it's a bit of a disappointment, and you should probably check yourself as a parent. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> in Persia, don't call it that anymore, do we? Um, anyway, in the Middle and Far East, this is just reading off Wikipedia. When it was Persia. Persia. When it w- was off of Persia, yeah. yeah. Then they used papier mache to manufacture small painted boxes, trays, and cases. And in Japan and China, they also produced laminated paper articles using papier mache. Got a lot boring, didn't it? Yeah, really the Egyptians were like death, death shrouds and sarcophagi. Here's a tray. Here's a tray. There's a little box. 
It's ornamental. You can put a thing in it. Also, what, I mean, laminated paper articles, what, they're just papier-mâcheing paper? Well, no, I think they, they might have paper. used, like, um, you, you, they use, like, enamel paints, like, oh, okay. shiny paints. Oh. Well, it says, also, though, this is slightly more interesting, in Japan and India, papier-mâché was used to add decorative elements to armour and shields. See, that, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, and also pretty economical, because much cheaper than um, having to mm. do metal in that. Yeah. What um, I love is in my head, I've just got loads of Japanese samurai with gluey bits of newspaper on their armour. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're so going into right battle when you're hitting the armour, all this stuff's flying off. Yeah. Like, I'm doing really well. <laughs> um, good. In, in Europe... Papier-mâché was often used um, in the world of architecture. Mm, for sconces and the like. Yeah, all sorts of things. Um, uh, like gilt um, uh, picture frames. Mm-hmm. They, they used papier-mâché. Here's a bit of history of art for you. When I went to the Hermitage in uh, St. Petersburg, there was an entire candelabra made out of papier-mâché. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a fire rest to me. I mean, absolutely. Which yeah. is why... I burnt it to the ground. Sure, sure, sure. Um, just seems, to get rid of the risk. Seems like oh, a murder reaction. No, just the candelabra. Oh, good. Uh, also, it's often <laughs> used for doll heads. Oh, oh that's crap. What, oh, that what is it with doll heads? Instantly there. creepy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <sighs> just the heads. <laughs> um, the little papery eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's been used for all sorts of things, basically. Um, yeah. It's now apparently less of a commercial product. Oh, really? <laughs> Hell surprise. <laughs> And that's what we're trying to resurrect today, is turning it into a commercial enterprise. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like it would actually be quite a good eco-alternative to using plastic, though, right? Because, I mean, presumably a lot of the reasons that it's not used is because it's been replaced by plastic. Everything got replaced, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you can mould plastic in the same way that you yeah, can mould papier mache. It's just less effort. And, yeah. It's more durable, less time consuming. consuming. Yeah. Um, it's just as, the papier mache is just as waterproof if you use PVA. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. So, I'm gonna dunk your creation into a bucket of water to see. <laughs> Just to test it out. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So, be on experimentation. There. <laughs> the parameters of the task ahead of you. Okay. You are going to each be given two balloons, mm-hmm. and uh, you may access my treasure trove of cardboard. <laughs> You're like a really cruddy dragon. Yeah. <laughs> My cardboard hoard. Yeah, that's right. Don't need. I don't need any of that shiny stuff. Just some cardboard. Um, so you, they, they will be your sort of structural bases, and then you can obviously layer up using the papier mâché technique, which I we should you know explain because I'm sure you're all so confused about what it is. It's yeah, it's paper and glue. We sort of said that from the Wikipedia. I think so. And then you dunk your paper in the in the glue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or. Use the big brushes, presumably, as well. That's more to... That's see, that's that's where the real artistry comes in. Oh, you, boy. Pray tell, Alex. You uh, you use the brushes to smooth out the uh, the, the paper around whatever object you're wishing yeah. to papier-mâché, unless you just want to get your hands dirty, and then you can use your hands. Yeah, and you can also use it to poke it into crevices. Hello. <laughs> in your sculpture. <sighs> if you get bored, while <laughs> oh, oh, what are you doing? Just papier-mâché in this crevice? <laughs> Um, so they're the materials you'll be provided with and uh, we're giving you a generous hour to Oof. 
to do this. And that does not include the time it will take you to um, cut up the newspaper and um, prepare the glue mm. mix. That's 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 a freebie. That's nice. Okay. And obviously drying time. Yeah, so it's going to be a two-stager. Mm-hmm. So you have an hour of sculpting. Uh, and then we'll we'll obviously like check in, see how you're doing, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a break for drying time, mm-hmm. and then you can hit up the painting. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh yeah. Mm. It's very exciting. Okay. This is probably one of the most time-consuming tasks we've ever embarked upon. So uh, fingers crossed, the time investment is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to sell mine for a profit. Uh huh. Cool. Well, <laughs> if there are any interested parties out there, do feel free to get in touch. Any profits that want to be exchanged for uh, papier mache article? Prophecies. I don't know. See, that's that's an intriguing one. If any if any oracles are out there with any <laughs> prophecies, then I'm willing to trade my papier mache creation, who the two unseen because I haven't created it yet, for whatever prophecies you may be dealing in. Cool. I mean, I'm sure that is a pretty niche market, but if if anyone can reach it, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great, alright, well, we'll check back in with you uh, along the way. Amazing. Should be good. We're going to get so sticky. Woo! The best of luck. Okay, so you have done stage one of papier-mâché. You've had an hour with glue and sticky and yep. papery. Yeah, yep. and we survived it. Yep. yep. How are you feeling? Slightly sticky. There's residue. Yep. I won't lie, I'm not convinced that my plan has worked. Right, so what was your plan? My plan was to cover a balloon in papier-mâché. Well, you've done that. I've done that, but I didn't realise, one, the amount of time it would take to do that, and two, the fact that I had to do two layers for any sort of structural integrity. So I am firmly in the belief that when I do pop the balloon, I I will see the the, the balloon shape crumble. So did you only do one layer? Yes. Right. You did one layer? I did one layer. I thought you did two layers. No. You did one very neat layer. Very neat layer. You know there's gaps. I, ha- I had a look at it a second ago and there are there are quite a few gaps. Yeah, I've, I've noticed them now that I've finished. <laughs> <laughs> we need to video the popping. Oh, no, firmly, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 want, I want documentation of this noble, noble failure to be... To be made sure. So, have public. you have you got kind of a plan B as to what you're going to do if if it's not maintained its structural integrity when you pop the balloon? Yep. I'm, I'm what is that? Paint it as it is. Sure, 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 sure. And and that will be art because you know art is everything and anything. What is art? Yeah. So ask yourself you that. could you could retcon it and say that you did it. Oh no 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 no! no? It's not retconning it. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to the to the listening public. Sure. They know it's a failure, but I want to work with what I've got. I want to, in the spirit of Bear Grylls, um, adapt, improvise, and overcome mm-hmm. right. my papier-mâché nightmare. <laughs> Do you think that your papier mache nightmare will become as memeable as the phrase that you've just used? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna go for a cold hard nope. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, Strat, how about you? <laughs> uh, I also have structural integrity worries. Okay. Uh, I, I I focus not on just covering an entire balloon with papier mache, but a small part of a balloon. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make a mask. Are you? Yes. To terrify ah. your wife who has a phobia of masks. It won't be coming home with right, me. Right, okay. 
and she's not here this time, no, so, so this was a safe loose. space for masks. Yeah, okay. I can finally get the masks out of me. Finally. Finally. <laughs> so uh, my worry is when I pop the balloon, again, it's going to fold in on itself. Mm. But okay. I've done quite a few layers. Yeah, you. I think you, you've done better on that, on that front. We might be able to do some kind of like... Uh, if you snip it with scissors at like its tying point, just a tiny snip, it lets the air out much slower. That sounds better than a pop. Which, because a pop can provide, can create quite a tremor, yeah. which could then. My other hope collapse. is maybe I won't need to pop it. Maybe I can peel it off it. Okay. But Ooh. slowly release the air. Yeah. And then mm. just cut the balloon around the mask. So the mask has a nice rubbery. <laughs> <laughs> a lining <laughs> lining yes yeah, yeah. are you making a fetish mask um, I should have done because I guess you know a, a, a rubbery lining is exactly what you want on something that's going to be close to your face that's going to get sweaty anyway because you want to maximise the sweat right absolutely yeah. it's, it's a weight loss mask for your face and, and yeah. also and also the, the, the rubbery the rubbery inlay will um, allow for like uh, it to be waterproof so you don't from the you... inside, yeah. For the sweat, from yeah. The sweat. Oh yeah, because otherwise, yeah. you might sweat and then damage the, the mask. And you wouldn't want to destroy Strat's hard work. No, well, well, maybe we'll see. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> so rude. So rude. I know. Since the cupcakes, since it's the cupcake very... embargo, yeah, it's got very, very curt response. Um, <laughs> we're getting short shrift for our artistic endeavours. It's just because Matt's not here to temper me right now. Uh, he'll be here later, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> For the I'm judgment gonna portion. I'm going to suggest that we make Ellie do some art. Yeah, fine. Okay, so, great. <laughs> we are going to hope that they dry relatively speedily and yeah, um, yeah. we'll come back for the painting section of our of our adventure. Fingers crossed. Into papier-mâché. Okay, good. You've been listening to the Blackshaw Art Hour. Follow us on Twitter at Blackshaw Update. Watch us on the Instagrams at Blackshaw Theatre. Like us on the Facebook at Blackshaw Online. And find all the things at blackshawonline.com. So you can find out how they did a bit later in the show. In a few minutes. Mm. Uh, so. To place your bets. Oh, God. Don't even bother placing bets. <laughs> I think we can. I just, yeah, I just constantly have an inkling as to where these things are going. Um, if you are getting worried that you're not going to have your fortnightly fix of Blackshaw Arts, then uh, a way you can keep in touch with us on the reg is through our sister podcast, Merely Role Players, headed up by the very lovely Matt Boothman. Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, you've just walked in and sat down. <laughs> Um, Happy to be on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I hope that over time we can build some mutual trust. I've got a few forms for you to sign later. Um, Merely role players is just so much fun. I think you can you can hear the fun we're having from listening. Uh, we're currently on a series set in space. Yeah. So this is a uh, uh, the the term that is emerging for mm-hmm. these things because there are a few of them out there now uh, is actual play uh, RPG podcasts RPG for role playing game. Um, so these are sort of uh, improvised audio dramas uh, where we are telling a story and uh, occasionally if we don't know how something that the players slash cast decide to do is going to go we roll some dice to find out where yeah. how badly they mess it up and lady luck takes the wheel yeah so we genuinely don't know where it's going when mm. we sit down to play these things i will set the players a scenario 
and we will just see what on earth they do. Uh, gen- generally, any predictions I have for what's going to happen go out of the window in about the first five minutes. <laughs> it's always nice listening back to the backstage episodes where we say, so Matt, what did you think we were going to do? And he's like, well, I mean, nothing. none of the things that you did. None of those. <laughs> uh, so uh, you can find it at uh, mealyroleplayers.podbean.com or just search for Mealy Roleplayers in any podcast directory. If you don't find it, let us know uh, at Mealy Roleplay on Twitter and I will rectify that situation. Mm. I've tried to make sure it's listed everywhere so you can just search the name and find it and subscribe. Um, so every every fortnight, so you, you can still get your fortnightly fix uh, with every fortnight we get a new episode of the current story. Mm-hmm. Like Ellie says, the current one's set in space. We've done uh, cowboy western stuff. We've done ghost stories. We've done famous five-style capers. We've done a heist. Yeah. Uh, we've done spies. I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got lots more coming. Um, and then on the weeks in between, uh, you can tune in for backstage episodes where we go a little bit into how the rules of the role-playing games work and how we built uh, ourselves in the game systems and just discussions after each story about where we thought it was going and what we enjoyed and what what could have been better yeah um and all that kind of thing yeah so to give you a little taste of what it might sound like we're going to play you a few clips from the most recent episode in space uh which um is uh, performed played by myself and dave who has guested on this podcast before um and we make some very important decisions now about um what cargo we want to buy uh to trade from our ship Oh, okay, 11. Nice. Okay, Whoa. there's plenty to choose from. You can get cheap cargo again. Yeah. You can get contraband. Yeah. And this time you have the option of valuable cargo, uh, which if you... Um, uh, it's worth a lot, mm-hmm. so much that somebody might try to steal it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you sell it, uh, you roll like the selling move at advantage. Okay. So you're more likely to I get reckon valuable. Yeah, um, that sounds perfect. Okay, valuable, okay. please. All right, what is it? it can be like luxury items. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh Jesus. A hole so, full of space dogs. Space rocks dogs. for dogs. Okay, fine. Yeah, they're like um, designer dogs. Yeah. Designer space dogs. Because <laughs> oh, the person's like, uh, I will take anything over these designer space dogs. Please, can I have your rocks? <laughs> And Tilly is livid. <laughs> oh yeah, Tilly the space cat is yeah. also. Uh, did did you bring Tilly down? No, or is no, Tilly's, no. Tilly's back she stays, she, she was sleeping. Mm-hmm. All right. I figured that having a space cat with me might draw attention. All right. Okay. Uh, and as you complete this trade, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you complete the trade, uh, um, the planetary authority hails you again. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, this is Varnia, Planetary Authority, to Shuttle Warbler. Hi. Uh, we're trying to clear you a, a takeoff slot, a takeoff trajectory, but um, it appears that your mothership hasn't pulled back round again yet. Oh. Um, uh, yes. Uh, are, are you planning? Are you planning a long stay? I see that you've put in for a, a slot, but uh, you don't appear to have anywhere to go. Uh, no problem. Um, we are going to be. Um, We're just going to visit some friends in a different city. 
just going to fly somewhere else away yeah, from this Yeah, we're port. looking for um, a transfer to a different port. Ah, so you, you don't need to break orbit. This is no. a sub suborbital trajectory. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. Oh, I'm like, I'm not sure that's the plan I would go with, but Dave said it now, so... Uh, that's no problem. I can clear you for suborbital flight straight away. Thanks, mate. And a creden- I gave him two thumbs up. <laughs> and you see that credentials are transferred that allow you to take off uh, from the spaceport, yeah. uh, but do not give you authorization necessarily <laughs> to break orbit. Okay, you are going to have to punch it out of here. Yep. <laughs> On it. <laughs> God. I'm, I drive the spaceship to directly underneath our spaceship at suborbit. So yeah. Then I literally point it straight up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a hail comes over the <laughs> over the communit from the planetary authority. Do you answer it? No, nope, I punch it as fast <laughs> as I can straight up. Roll, I think um I, I think this is volatile. It really is. <laughs> uh not good. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, okay, you can make it out of orbit, mm-hmm. um, but you pick up a bit of an escort on the way. The Planetary mm-hmm. Authority launches a couple of light fighters sure to chase you down on your way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you make it out of uh, you make it out of the atmosphere with a couple of light uh, conclave insignia fighters uh, on your tail. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, the Wren is uh, within. Uh, distance you can get there pretty mm-hmm. quickly, uh, but you do have these fighters on your tail, and they are like the comm unit is flashing with lots of different hails from mm-hmm. people trying to get you to stop. Sure. Um, I've got an idea, but I don't think you're gonna like it. What's your idea? I was gonna just jettison the dogs to distract them. What? <laughs> so they just spray we out behind just us. Just those. <laughs> And it'll scramble their sensors and we'll be scot-free. Easy peasy. Oh, God. But if you say no, I'm happy to go for it. I'm just saying. Can we hold back a few? <laughs> Can we just send some? <laughs> half the dogs out yeah, of the bag. half the dogs. <laughs> uh, you, you can, if you jettison half the dogs, I'll say that when you try and sell them, you'll be at disadvantage. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Fine. Okay, uh, oh, I jettison God. half the dogs. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> They've all got little space helmets on, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the shuttle bay doors <laughs> open and I think you're going to have to roll to because we're getting into orbital mechanics here mm-hmm. to make sure that you actually do jettison them in a way that's going to get in the way of the yeah, fighters of course yeah. um, so let's make this uh, slick it sounds pretty slick doesn't it <laughs> 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 11 <laughs> ok tell us what happens <laughs> so the the half of the dogs, I pushed them in, well, from no. my driving seat, I pushed them out the back doors. We're all strapped down, so we're fine. Okay. Pushed them out in the perfect trajectory for them to start colliding into the, the other ships. Not in a way that pops the dogs, they just had to hit the windshields. <laughs> and the drivers of the other spaceships are like, whoa, what's going on? All these dogs are hitting, it's raining dogs. I was going to say, like, the little doggy space helmets aren't going to help if they're, like, bug splatting <laughs> yeah. on the windshield. Yeah, they're not going that far. So that was probably one of my favourite parts of, um, well, certainly that episode and and, uh, probably of many episodes. Um, 
how did you feel about our sideways decision to purchase and then immediately jettison some space dogs? Well, I didn't see any part of the decisions coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect you to buy dogs. Mm-hmm. And what having bought the dogs for sale later, I did not expect you to shoot them out the back of your ship at some fighter things. Yes. With little space jets and helmets yeah. on. <laughs> yes. At the time, it felt like the right thing to do. Um, Dave comes up with some ideas that are um, not what a normal person would think of. And I rarely support them. But on this occasion, I genuinely could not think of a better way out of the situation. I think when you're making that kind of decision under pressure, once something has been suggested, it's very difficult to think of an alternative because that suggestion just occupies your entire front brain. Yeah, yeah, the whole of it. Um, the enormity of the suggestion. <laughs> so so that's the kind of thing you can expect. Um, and we've actually now recorded a second series set in space, uh, which includes myself and Dave with a couple of new characters alongside. So um, yeah, We're doing a full uh, space trilogy in mm, the vein of your Star Warses, yeah. uh, your Mass Effects, yeah. uh, and other classic sci-fi trilogies. Yes. So uh, in that vein, the second part, which is going to start, I think, around early, uh, around late November, early December, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be our Christmas story yes. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Uh, that part gets a little bit darker and a little bit weirder. Yes. Uh, but we're going to eat. We're for now. We're easing you in with uh, space dogs. Yes, it's like uh, the 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 lightest sections of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I think yeah. is the the most um, similar thing I can think of. Um. Good, good. Well, uh, I hope you'll be tuning in because um, if it's half as enjoyable to listen to it as it is to take part in, then then you will enjoy yourself immensely. Uh, we're now going to listen to a different kind of madness. This <laughs> is the second part of Strat and Alex doing papier mache art. Strat and Alex do art. Oh, yeah. Right, well, we've had some very different um, products come out of this papier-mâché experiment. Product is a strong word. Sure. Mm. Different is maybe not strong enough a word. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, let's start with you, Strat. What do you... Talk us through um, how the... um, the, the, the painting stage went and what your final product looks like. I I decided to keep the painting simple. was... um, well, as I, I realised, I didn't actually know... Oh, yeah. I didn't actually know what a, a walrus looked like, necessarily. So it's a walrus. It's a walrus. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of thought, well, they're grey, aren't they, I think. Uh, and they're a bit hairy. And I, they have whiskers uh, and tusks, which I've done. So it's just a simple simple paint job, yeah. really, uh, in the time I had. I didn't want to... I didn't want to overdo it. I mean... Um, yeah, I didn't want to spoil... Spoil the uh, the overall aesthetic by by trying too hard with my painting, right. which I think we know from previous challenges not not my strongest suit. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I so think, I think you've done really well there. Yeah. Um, as soon as you painted it, I knew what it was. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking you, less you, less is more yeah, in this case. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I was like, what's he doing? Because I originally thought with the tusks you were doing an elephant. Ah. Um, so I was like, that's weird. That doesn't look like an elephant. And then when you spun it around and I looked at it face on, I was like, of course, it's a walrus. Oh, you would be right. It is a walrus. So it was fairly successful getting it off the balloon. I was worried for a while because it got very crunched up. But once we managed to get the balloon from out of it and 
released the yeah. tension, it all came out being mask-shaped again. So there was a top tip from uh, our host for the activity. Um, we were in Vicky's garden. Uh, Vaseline. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently we should have been Vaselining our balloons. I no, mean, wait, Vaselining... Yeah, you Vaseline yeah. the balloon, yeah. so the first layer goes on Vaseline. Vaseline, yeah. which means it's easy to peel off, yeah. but... Yeah, you do Vaseline, and then you do your papier-mâché. Yeah. Which, though, does mean your papier-mâché doesn't adhere to your balloon as well. So I guess you've got to create kind of a, like a pretty full layer quite quickly to get yeah. it to all stay in place, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway... Learn that lesson for next time. The Black Shore Arts Hour is not brought to you by Vaseline. Oh, we no, are not yeah. sponsored in no, any no, way. No, no. Oh, yeah, also, hello, I'm here. It's Matt. Oh, yeah, whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've, Sorry, I've just, joined for this final bit. You're just so au fait with Matt's voice. I just assume everyone's like, oh, Matt's there. <laughs> How rude of me. Yes, welcome, Matt. Um, yeah, what a, what a process it's been. Yeah, it has. It's been a long one. It was at times a little bit like emergency surgery with kitchen scissors. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was quite a lot of... It started off quite... Uh, the initial Papi Mash was quite uh, relaxed. Mm. We were chatting, we were listening to music. It was one of the more relaxed Processes of, uh, of, uh, of, of the time. And then as it went on, it became a little bit more fraught. Yeah. Yeah. And full of danger. Just for oh, such drama. Yeah. No, I'm quite pleased. I think it's excellent. I built up. I think shapes. Re- yeah, the, I love the brow ridges. Mm. Yeah. Um, good sort of snout. I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, they have like like a protuberance. Yeah, they have snouty things. Um, and I, I really like the brush strokes on the uh, eyebrows. There, it's got strong brows. Yes, strong unibrow. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what walruses would have. <laughs> <laughs> Only if they're going to have brows, they're going to be unibrows, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, think I, so. I don't think they pluck. No, I don't no. think they're big into their personal grooming, and why should they be? Yeah. Um, great. Okay. And it actually, you know, it works as a mask. It like does. it is a functional as well as beautiful object. Yeah. Cool. So, Alex. Well, as we we may have discussed prior, prior, we were a bit concerned that the uh, the structural integrity of said shape wouldn't hold, mm. um, and. Compromised, you might say. Uh, compromised by uh, a second layer. Um, no, by lack of a second layer. layer. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a it one was... layer item. Yeah. It only had the one layer, apologies. Um, and yeah, I. it turned out to be a bit more of a science experiment <laughs> with papier mache than anything else. Um, you can actually hear the noise under what you're. Because Alex is currently like moving it around in his hands. Everyone have a little listen. Yeah. I wonder if. Even two layers would stop this from happening. <laughs> no, no I, I, think. I don't. I don't think two layers would have been sufficient. But it would have taken longer to dry as well. That 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 yeah, being well, yeah. said, what it's created is quite. Um, I think an interesting shape. So, so talk us through the process of what what you actually did uh, to get to, balloon. to get from the layer of papier mâché on a on an inflated balloon to the finished product. It was uh, a complicated process um, where I cut the balloon and the balloon deflated and it took the rest of the papier-mâché with it like uh, a, a star folding in on itself. You, you know what it reminds me of? What? Those like office toy things where they're the plastic skeletons yes, and, and you, you pull them out and it's oh, a sphere yeah. and you push it in yes. and it's a spiky thing. Yeah. It looks like you should be able to pull it out into balloon yeah. and then it go back into... It looks like a truffle. It's a truffle. I've made a papier mâché truffle. Yeah. I haven't painted it purely because I quite like the aesthetic of the newspaper 
around the, the sort of crumpled edges. And also, I don't think I could unless I bought a can of spray paint. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of crevice, isn't there? there there's is. an awful lot of crevice. So many crannies. You'd have been at it for a while. Such nooks. <laughs> such, such nooks to, to, to papier-mâché in. There is something definitely very sort of human brain about it, which is what yeah. Vicky, Vicky pointed mm. out. It looks organic, I guess, because of the... I guess because of the way it, yeah. was, it was made, it was... I don't know, I don't know about the way it's made, but I think it's... No, I mean, because the way it's going to come in, it's going... It, there's there's no right... It's going to be that it's kind of... Uniform, care, it's not it? uniform, it's not uniform. It's going to have come yeah, in different yeah, angles, yeah. so it looks like something... Okay. It looks like something occurred, organic. It's mm. occurred in nature, yeah. is the way it looks. Um, I don't think I've created something that is particularly effective, but I have enjoyed the process, so yeah. I'm I'm happy. Good, and we've all learned things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, it's a tough one to call, but um, <laughs> Matt, what, what are your instant thoughts? Uh, I am going to go with Strats, yeah. uh, because it is. It, it feels like more of a clearly finished product, and it feels like the intention has stayed the same from start to finish. There's sort of, there is follow through there. Right. And I can, I can, as Alex said, I can see clearly what it is supposed to be. And it, it functions effectively as what it's meant to do. Yes, I concur with all of those points, and I think um, also there's a quite there's evidence of some skill really that's gone into the creation of Strats. I think it's, I think the, mm. pa- the painting's great. The, the the sculpting shape itself is, I think, what I'm most impressed with, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's held together beautifully. I think in an in an odd way, I think. It's so much better than mine that mine almost drags it down a little bit. <laughs> just it being in the presence of my attempt, just it kind of yeah drags who's down. Sorry, it drags drags straps. You down. think the quality of straps is lowered by the presence of your <laughs> creation? Yeah, I think it would be better if it was just on its own, <laughs> as if no one could see this. I think this is that that's how bad mine is that it's oh, actually causing <laughs> his to look. I, I I think it's made his look significantly better. Oh, good. Alex. That's that, no, no. That that's that's good. I'm I'm I I, I wouldn't want his his good work because looking at it, like, you don't want to diminish that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, that's because very we, gracious of we've you. We've said we've said truffle and human brain, but like mm. the thing that Alex's resembles most of all is a crumpled up ball of newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is. I did, I did say when I when I deflated the balloon. I could have done this a lot quicker if I just got some newspaper and scratched it up, but I wouldn't have had as much fun. You have got that nice shiny quality that the PVA glue gives it. Yeah. yeah. It makes a nice sound, it's tactile, I mean, I could go on. Yeah. It's shit, but I loved it. Boy, howdy. Um, yeah. The thing is, I'm like quite pleased with this outcome, because I thought that Alex was going to create some kind of masterpiece, because off of him being really arsy. Mm. Uh, and that Strat was going to create something that was lovely, but <laughs> might have been made by a child. <laughs> but actually, very much, the tables haven't even turned. They've just—it's a different table. <laughs> Strat's created something that's actually is a delight and fully functional. And, and Alex has like just I'm... like failed at physics and science. <laughs> I'm still really happy with mine, and I don't know why. I'm pleased. You're pleased. Yeah, I mean, you're taking it home. Genuinely, yeah. I'm thinking about it. You need to show it to your housemate because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he's going to want to. I was going to say put it on the fridge. You'd have to balance it on top of the fridge. 
Um, I think you should get some spray paint and finish I'm, the job. I'm, I do think, actually, something Vicky said earlier, if you spray painted that and put a headband on it, that could be like a designer hat, hat like a wedding, <laughs> um, what's it called? Fascinator. Fascinator. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. It is. Mm. Well, what listen, a, listen what a journey. It, listen to its fascinating qualities. Yeah. Sounds like an old lady's knees. <laughs> That's going to sound lovely in people's headphones. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry everyone. Um, good. All right, well, okay, so another foray into the world of sculpture has had results. <laughs> Thanks for coming with us on this journey, everybody. You're welcome. Life's a game. The world's a stage. And we are all merely role players. Join members of Blackshaw Theatre Company as they try on all the many roles there are to play. You are Blackshaw Theatre. Nobody else knows. You're also investigators of inexplicable happenings. (laughs) Deputies of federal law enforcement. Master thieves and con artists. Hooray! (laughs) Merely role players, where theatrical people play role-playing games. New episodes every week, new stories and new genres every season. Just search for Merely Role Players wherever you find podcasts. So there you go, and I'm sure you're all itching to see the final creations. Um, I mean, particularly Strats, which actually looks like a thing that's a thing. Um, we will be putting pictures on social media, so go to all the usual places and you can uh, make a judgment with your own eyes and see if you, you agree with mine and Matt's decision making. Yeah. Uh, where Do we know where that puts Strat and Alex in the league? In the overall league of all time, um, it puts oh well interesting um it puts strat on nine and alex on ten. Oh, interesting so we have one more installment of strat and alex doing art um which we will be playing in a few weeks time so they either alex will win or they will draw mm. and we'll have to come up with some kind of fiendish tie-breaking <gasps> situation i look forward to that so um yeah Get get on your tender hooks right now. <laughs> uh, so now I have the immense pleasure of telling you all about a book that has been recently published called The Dead Stage. It's written by Dan Weatherer, who is a longtime associate of Blackshaw. He has had lots of his pieces of work performed at our new writing nights um, and at our Scare Slam last year. And this book is a really good uh, kind of resource for people who are just starting writing and don't really know what to do with it, or people who maybe want to focus more on um, writing for the stage in particular, and um, particularly fringe theatre. So myself and Andy, our trusty, lovely uh, technician, sound designer, engineer man, uh, had a chat with Dan, God, about over a year ago now um those those publishing timelines (laughs) i know right um to 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 give some of our thoughts on what it's like working in fringe theatres what are our limitations what do we look for when we're selecting pieces of writing um to work with and to produce and um it's been lots of that lots of people have been interviewed uh, across the industry and it's been compiled um, alongside Dan's thoughts on on how you can kind of get your work out there and how you can write for success, essentially for it's, for selection. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an interesting uh, project because I, I think there's there's a wealth of uh, material out there in terms of general writing advice and how can you write a good play. Yeah, um, but the specific the specificity of this about how you 
um, accommodate the specific needs of a fringe off West End uh, mm. kind of situation, which, let's be honest, is where the majority of first time writers are going to be able to get performed. Yeah. You're not going to go straight on at the Shaftesbury. Um, it is is excellent. Um, yeah. And it's uh, you could you could say um, you oh you should just write the write the play and it'll find its audience yeah. uh, and like be true to the work and the the quality will shine through. But the truth is that there are uh, there are ways that you can make a producer or a theatre company's life easier and show that you've thought about the conditions that they're working in. Yeah. That are just more likely to make them want to work with you. Absolutely. Um, so there's a really good spread of people um, that have been interviewed for the book. Um, actors, playwrights, directors, producers, um, teachers. So it's it's a really good way to get what we've always been harping on about, which is that kind of cross and interdisciplinary conversation. Um, because if you don't know how someone else's job works, then you can't know how to make your job, job work better with and for them. Um there's really interesting sections on um, how to write things like stage directions to be helpful to a director and an actor, um, how to write characters, how much information to give about a character and the differences between writing for screen, writing for stage. So if that's kind of an arena that you are operating in, we highly recommend you go and get yourselves a copy. It's available from Amazon. Um, just search for The Dead Stage. Uh, it's available in Kindle and paperback. So that's very exciting. It's nice to be in a book again, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> nice to be. Nice to be in a publication. Um, good. Well, we're nearly at the end of the show. That just leaves me to tell you what is coming up in the in the next few weeks. Obviously, we are hurtling towards the um, the the winter season um, and the festivities that are within that. So we've got some stuff that you will absolutely want to be snuggling up to. Uh, next time, in two weeks' time, we are going to be uh, broadcasting Black Shuck in full. So that is our comedy smuggler play, <laughs> written by Duncan <laughs> Hans, um, starring Rachel Knott and Alex Pankhurst. Um, that will be available as, as a whole entity. Um, we've previously just broadcast it as episodes within... Um, within podcasts yeah so even if you've been listening uh, as it goes along uh, you can download this episode and keep it yep. and have the whole story all in one place with no interruptions from us precisely uh, after that very excitingly and perfect for the uh, for the festive season we have got great expectations so we first broadcast this a couple of years ago uh, it is a collaboration with Cypher's Theatre Company uh, Dickens classic adapted by Marcus Baisley and it is going to be broadcast in four episode blocks um, across the sort of November through to January. So you can, again, even if you heard it in its, um, in its more diced up format, this is a good way to, to get the whole thing. And then that leads us up to, kind of hilariously and perfectly, uh, on the 30th of January, we will be broadcasting the final magazine-style instalment of the Blackshaw Arts Hour podcast uh, in the format of our 100th episode birthday party. Three figures! So we are centenary partying... We'll work out a title. Um, but that is going to be the point at which you can find out who won the entire series of the Strat and Alex doing art 
hilarity um we'll have several members of the team in so you can catch up with them and see what they've been doing and that's just going to be generally very exciting and lovely if you listen to our i think it was 50th episode party uh, that will give you an idea of what to expect but obviously this one will be twice as much yes twice as much so uh, last time we showed lots of pictures of my cat wearing a party hat (laughs) this time she will wear two hats (laughs) oh i cannot wait to watch you make her try to do that yeah it's gonna be a challenge i think they might need to be slightly smaller hats uh but there you go what more do you want a cat wearing two hats that is life fulfillment if, if we all wear two hats as well will that make her want to do it more because of fomo probably um cats are fairly fomo oriented um <laughs> but it may also just lead to some sort of mindless destruction so any which way good photo opportunities so do tune in to all of those lovely things that we have coming up uh we are very excited to have some more time to focus on our production of radio dramas and we hope that you will be excited about what we've got coming as well as excited as we are hopefully hoot